Hello, everyone. My name is Kate, and you're listening to Artwise. Hello, everyone. Happy Tuesday for those of you who are listening to this on a Tuesday, and happy whatever day it is um, that you're listening to this episode on. (laughs) So today I wanted to talk about a topic that we have touched on in the past, but I don't think we've actually dedicated a full episode to, which is building a strong portfolio of work. So as artists, I'm sure pretty much every single person listening to this podcast knows what a portfolio of work is um, as an artist, but in case you don't, a portfolio is basically all your best works put together. You can have an actual portfolio. Some people, I have like a big folder full of my artwork, uh, but you can also have like a digital portfolio. Most people will put it on either their personal websites or like a Behance or like something like that, where they'll just put all of their best works in one place. And that way, when they're either applying for jobs or they're trying to gain clients, they will direct people to their portfolio and say, check out my portfolio. And if you want to hire me, this is the kind of stuff I've done in the past. So the importance of having a strong portfolio, like I can't stress it enough as an artist or as any sort of creative in in a creative profession where you're making things, having a really good, really strong portfolio is 100% hands down one of the absolute most important things for you to have. It is one of the only things that I would say you need to constantly be updating and working on. And so because of the importance of the portfolio, I wanted to go ahead and make an episode dedicated to tips and tricks to building a strong portfolio. Uh, I know a lot of young people listen to this podcast, a lot of under 17 year olds listen to this podcast. And I know a lot of people in the ArtWise podcast Discord server who I've spoken to who are younger than 17 because we have a lot of kids listening to this podcast who are new artists who are looking to learn, which is awesome. That's exactly why I made the ArtWise podcast. And they are constantly asking me, asking each other, well, like I'm too young to make a portfolio. You're never too young to have a good portfolio. In fact, if you start now, the easier it's going to be as you grow up and then like move throughout your professional career. So let's get started on the portfolio tips and not really tricks, just how to have a good portfolio. So the very first thing that you're going to want to do is identify your niche. Okay, so what I mean by that is if you are an artist or creative, say you're a photographer, but you also kind of like to draw and paint a little bit. When you build your portfolio, you are going to want to separate your photography work from your painting work. Because if somebody wants to hire a painter and then they go to your website and it's like a mixed mash of photography and then you have paintings and then you have all this other stuff 
they're going to probably be a little bit frustrated because they're going to have to, on their own, sift through your photography stuff when uh, you're probably a wonderful photographer, but they're looking to hire you as a painter or they're looking to hire you as just a photographer. So I think it's really important to figure out the type of work that you want to pursue. Say you want to do photography and painting. That's great. You can always do both. I am a huge fan of having multiple portfolios on your website. I myself have multiple. I have a brand design portfolio that's all branding projects. And then I have a whole separate portfolio for my illustration projects that are all like fully fleshed out illustrative drawings because they're two completely different things. And I know that my clients who come to me for branding, while some of them also hire me for illustration projects to do like merchandise and things like that, a lot of them don't really care about that. They want to see my designs because they just need like a simple branding project done and they don't want to see how good I am at drawing when you don't really draw when you're designing. I mean, some people do. I do sometimes, but not everyone likes that. So that's why it's really, really good to go ahead, like explore, figure out what branches of artwork that you really, really like, figure out what is for you, what's not for you. And you can do it all. I would just make sure that you have separate portfolios for each. Another thing I would highly recommend for building a strong portfolio in the creative industry is by creating passion projects. I swear by passion projects. I try really, really hard to do at least two passion projects per month. That's one every two weeks. I don't always hit that mark because I sometimes I get really busy with client work as a freelancer. And especially uh, recently, I've gotten really, really busy to the point where I'm completely fully booked and I don't have time to sit down and work on passion projects. But the thing about being a creative and being an artist is there's really never nothing to do. You can always be working towards bettering your portfolio and building a really, really strong, really cohesive portfolio that will attract your clients right to you. And as soon as they see it, they'll know that they want to hire you or work with you or whatever the case may be, whatever you're looking for. And so passion projects kind of secure this because... If you create a, a project based around like a passion, just something that you would really, really like to do. So for example, as a brand designer, this is really easy. You would make up a business who would be like your ideal client and you would create a brand identity or whatever it is that you do outside of that business. So this business is not real. This business is completely made up, but... You made them up based on a project that you would like to work on. And the reason that passion projects are so crucial is because when you are creating design work or artwork based off of things that you really, really like to do, you're tailoring your portfolio and you're tailoring your artwork that you're doing to what you know for a fact that you're going to like. If you're a freelancer like me, this is like invaluable to you because when your portfolio is just full of even if you don't even have a single project from a real client in your portfolio it still demonstrates that you're able to do the work i hear all the time designers photographers artists painters i hear them all the time be like oh like none of this is client work like like i can't like i i can't add any of my client work to my portfolio 
that's totally fine. And nobody is going to hold that against you at all whatsoever. No one is going to say, oh, well, none of this is it, like, it's all fake. Like, no, no one's going to, no reasonable employer. And if they do, you don't want to work for them anyway, but that's a whole other can of worms. But no employer is going to look at your work and say, oh, tell me about this project. And you say, oh, well, this is a passion project. No reasonable employer or potential client, none of them are going to be like, oh, so like, this is all fake. Yeah, maybe the business is fake, but like you did the work, you designed the thing, like you did the work, like it's proof that you are able to do what people want to pay you for. And so that's why it's so invaluable. And it, it's it's incredibly important to make sure that your portfolio not only demonstrates the type of work that you can do and your skill as a creative, as an artist, designer, photographer, what have you, whatever kind of work that you do, it's also so important that it's not just what you can do, but it's what you want to do. And so that's why passion projects are super important because I know myself very much included in this, I will take work for the money. We're we're not on a, you know, high horse on Artwise podcast here. All of us at one point or another are going to have to take projects that we're not necessarily 100% passionate about or take jobs that we're not 100% passionate about to survive. Like that's, you know, it's just like that sometimes. Hopefully, and I hope this for all of you guys listening as well, one day you're going to be able to only work on projects that you love and that you're passionate about and that even your real client work becomes like passion projects in and of themselves. But that's not always the reality. And to that, I would also say if you are working on a lot of work that is not your ideal client or it's not your ideal like job that you want to do. It was just something that you took and it is creative, but you really just took it for the money. I would not include that in your portfolio if it is really not what you want to do. If it demonstrates some of the things that you can do really, really well and you don't hate it, then that's great to include in your portfolio. But if you're saying like, if you take on a project and the whole time you were working on it, you were like, man, I hate this. I'm really just doing this for the money. Like I can't stand working on this type of stuff. Don't include it in your portfolio because if you do, you might be offered work that's really similar to that. People look to your portfolio to see if you're able to accomplish the goals that they need for whatever creative project they need, like whether that's like wedding photography all the way to like a brand identity design. When people look at your portfolio, they're looking at your portfolio to see like, okay, can this person do what I need them to do? And if they see a whole bunch of projects that you put on there, just because it was like paid projects, but it's not necessarily what you're passionate about, you're just going to keep attracting more of that stuff that you don't want to do. So I think it's really important to kind of make time for passion projects to just to add to your portfolio, honestly. And also it's just, it's good practice in general to keep like creative juices flowing. Even if you're a freelancer and you're like, I have no clients right now. Uh, you should definitely be working on passion projects because at the end of the day, it's still invaluable to have those pieces in your portfolio. And it's also, it's just immensely helpful. So that said, I do think that it's super important to also include client work in your portfolio, but not if you have never had a client or work that you're really passionate about. Does that make sense? So like, if you enjoyed working on it and you 
are are say like if you were offered that work again you would 100% be excited for it like that's what you want to include in your portfolio that's the long and short of it another thing that i hear people talk about a lot when it comes to building a strong portfolio is leveraging your personal style while still showcasing versatility i think it's important to again this stems back to doing what you're passionate about if there is a certain style of work that you really like to work in, I personally, and this is my personal opinion, and I know a lot of other designers and artists will disagree with me, but I personally think that if this is the type of style of work that you love to work in, for example, I am a designer in my industry who I think that everybody who I've networked with who knows me in my industry if they saw my design in a group of designs, I think they could pick it out really easily because I have a very distinctive uh, design and illustration, just a very distinctive art style in general. Everything I make kind of, I feel like you can really tell like that's a Kate Merriman art project right there. And this can be good and this can be bad depending on who you ask, honestly. I personally, I think it's fine to have a really distinctive style. I feel like it makes it and has made it easier for me to get my name out there. Every single time somebody introduces me in a group or I enter a new networking group or a Facebook group or even as small as like a group chat on Instagram with a bunch of designers, the first thing that is said about me is my distinctive style. And then they'll send, you know, one of my works from my Instagram and everyone will go, oh yeah. Like, it's just kind of the way it is. Not that I'm like some big famous designer or anything like that. I'm just, an, I'm your average Joe, literally. But I do think that my portfolio definitely reflects a very strong style but I also think that there's a lot of versatility in my portfolio as well. And I think that it's really important to find that balance. If there, like I said, is a lot of different things that you can and want to do and want to work on, I think it's totally awesome and completely appropriate to add all of those things to your portfolio. But I also think it's important to make sure that you are versatile and that you show everything that you can do. So for example, a lot of brand designers who design logos and patterns and stuff like that for businesses are also web designers. I think it's important to have two separate portfolios or a lot of people actually, what they'll do is for the project. So for example, if you're designing a brand for like a skincare brand, but then you also design their website, when you click on the skincare brand, it'll show you also a scroll through of the website that you designed for them as well. I think that can be a really good way to, even if everything is kind of done in the, in your very own, very distinctive style, I think that that can be really helpful because it can show that like not only can you do brand design and can you design really, really cool, really strategic logos that work really well, but you can also make brand patterns and you can design social media templates and it shows versatility and it shows that you can do websites and social media templates and packaging and all of these different things. Not only does it show that, but it also 
demonstrates that you have a very distinctive style and the people who know you like will go directly to you for that style if you're like the person to go to for that style. That would ultimately be my goal. But then you also have people who are trying to get normal, like when I say normal, like not freelancing jobs, like full-time in-house jobs as creatives. If you are looking to get a job where you need to have the ability to create in various different styles, I think your portfolio should reflect that. So that's another thing is like the way that I do things, right? I just described, oh, my portfolio, everything is kind of in a similar style. I do really bold and bright stuff. I do lots of fun colors. That works really well for me. What works very well for me may not work well for you. If you are a creative who likes to work in different styles and maybe you like to do like the really sleek, fancy with like the the serif font, like with like the nude color palette or like the really frilly script fonts with like all of the pinks and the nudes. But then you also kind of like to dabble in like the bolder, brighter design work. That can actually be really good and really attractive to like an agency or if you need a full-time job somewhere as a creative that they're going to have you working on multiple different projects for multiple different, just multiple different things. That can be like a really big advantage and that can also show your versatility. So I definitely think that both are valuable but you definitely kind of have to sit down with yourself and maybe meditate on like what type of artist, what type of designer do I want to be? Because there's kind of faults to both because some people really want to see a consistent style, like some employers, some people that want to hire you for what you're amazing at. Some people want to see a really, really consistent style across the board, which I, you know, I might be more right for that. And then the next person who has a really versatile portfolio and they've done design work in like, 80 different styles and they have all of this like really strong but also really versatile work might work better for someone who they're where in the job or the project that they're going to be hired on they're going to have to work on a lot of different things with different styles so it really it just depends on your goals as a creative a really good example of this i think is wedding photographers a lot of wedding photographers i've noticed they have like a really distinctive style and they have something that kind of sets them apart from the rest. But at the end of the day, like your entire portfolio, if you really want to focus on weddings and you don't want to do any other type of photography, you don't want to do family portraits or, uh, excuse me, I'm not a photographer, so I don't really know a lot about this. But (laughs) if if you really want to like niche down and like do exclusively, like you want to travel for weddings, your entire portfolio should be weddings. You shouldn't have like random, you know, pictures like from family portraits, if that's not a service you offer. Um, So there's like a lot of things that you really have to look at because I, at the end of the day, I think there are thousands of portfolios that all look completely different from each other. And the success of the portfolio is at the end of the day, really going to come down to what are your goals as a creative? What do you bring to the table as a creative? What are the things that are going to make you happiest making? And your portfolio should perfectly reflect that. I think if there's something really specific that you want to get into, 
that you should just stick to that for your portfolio and not add extra crap just because somebody told you that it had to be more versatile. At the end of the day, whatever feels right to you and whatever your favorite works are, are likely what's going to work best for you in your portfolio. And obviously, if you have a creative mentor, or even if you're in the ArtWise Discord server, which as always, there's a link to it in the description of this episode. But if if you have somebody that you can go to for advice, by all means, ask them and they'll tell you. But also you have to remember like to take advice with a grain of salt because everybody's going to have a different opinion and it's going to be based on their experience in the industry and what works best for them. Right now, I can tell you immediately when my portfolio was too versatile and it had a lot of crap in it and my illustration work and my brand design work wasn't separated, I I didn't get half the inquiries that I got since I have up updated it and continue to update it. And that brings me to my next point about portfolio projects, which is you need to be continuously updating your portfolio. I think it could be really helpful or beneficial to actually go into your calendar and every four weeks set a three hour or however long you think it's going to take you make an event on your calendar for however long you think it's going to take you to update your portfolio on your website or what what have you sit down and update it monthly or even if you feel like you create work at a pace fast enough that you're going to have more than enough new work to add or take out from your portfolio you could do it bi-weekly um it's really up to the discretion of the creative of of the artist and whatever works best for you but i highly recommend on a monthly basis, at a minimum, sitting down and looking through your portfolio and saying, okay, here's what I made this month. Two of these projects, or I don't know how many projects you do a month, right? Logo designers, I think some of them crank out like 20 to 30 logos a month. Uh, So it's kind of up to you. For me, two to three projects a month is like generally what I do. So you might sit down and you might say, okay, of these three projects, I actually don't want to add anything. And then you have like a nice three hour break built into your schedule. But most of the time you'll say, okay, out of these three projects, I really, really like this one. And I think it's actually better than this piece that's currently in my portfolio. So I'm going to swap it out. Or you might say, okay, I have three works that I made this month and all of them are better than everything in my portfolio currently. So I'm going to swap them out. And then that way, If you have, for example, like a freelancing business like me, and you have people that follow you on Instagram for quite some time, and it takes them a long time to kind of build up looking at you and just making 100% sure that you're the person that they want to work with, which I'm sure happens for me. I know I have a lot of followers on Instagram who are business owners, and I'm pretty sure that the reason they follow me is because they're just kind of waiting for the right moment for themselves, which is perfect because honestly, my services are pretty expensive. I like a full branding project takes six to eight weeks to complete. That's two months of my time. And so uh, it is a, it's a pricey project and it's strategic and it takes uh, a lot of work. And so um, it totally makes sense as to like why people would follow me on Instagram or follow me on social media and just kind of look at my stuff. And every so often, Uh, Just kind of scroll through and and see what I do. 
Uh, and I am 100% sure that a lot of those people will look at my portfolio and just kind of give it a scroll through because I have my analytics for my site and I see all the time the number one page on my website that people go to is the first, it's the homepage because that's when you click on my website, that's the first place that it takes you to. But the second page out of all the pages on my website that people go to immediately is my portfolio. And people, the same people, I guarantee you, are looking at my portfolio and then they come back in a couple months and then they look at my portfolio again. And if you're not keeping it up to date with what you're currently doing, those people might be like, oh, she hasn't done anything in two months. When that's really not the case, it's just like you can't really be lazy about your portfolio because it's seriously, it's the number one thing that's going to get you work at the end of the day. Uh, something else that I want to talk about too is a lot of people are like, I don't know how many pieces to put in my portfolio. So I think, like I said, you can have multiple portfolios and you can separate them. If you're a photographer who's also a painter, you can have a photography portfolio and then you can have a painting portfolio. I wouldn't put more than 10 pieces in each portfolio and that's stretching it a little bit. I think for me, I have nine in each one on my website and it's organized in such a way that I just think nine looks nice because it's three by three. So it's a perfect square and then you can click on it and it'll take you to the whole project. Um, so I personally have nine. I would not do more than 10 if you want to do like a five by two or like however you want to have it laid out on your website. Um, personally, that's what I would do. I would also recommend having a digital portfolio of some type. A lot of employers will ask for a PDF. I personally prefer it on a website, but I know that certain employers are definitely a little bit weird if you have a website because, and I didn't even know this was a thing until recently because about a year ago I had a job interview and I got called out on it. Uh, certain employers do not want you to freelance. I think that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And honestly, if you want my personal opinion, and again, this is just my personal opinion, I would never in a million years take a job that said that I couldn't freelance on the side in addition to having that job. I think that's ridiculous. When I, when I was in that job interview and they asked for my portfolio and I sent it to them and they said, you have services listed on your website that you offer. And I said, yeah, it's like more than half my income is my, my freelance work that I do. And they said, okay, well, we're looking for someone who doesn't freelance. So if, if you would be willing to stop freelancing, like we can proceed with the interview. And I said, no, that's okay. I don't, that's ridiculous. I don't want to waste any of your time. I'm going to continue to freelance. This is more than half my income. Unless this job can compensate for the loss of, of my freelance income, I will not be accepting it. Uh, how much does this job even pay? Because it wasn't listed you know, on the job posting that I saw. And honestly, I didn't even apply for that job that I got the interview for. Somebody found me, I, I get this all the time too. When you have a really good portfolio and you have a really good LinkedIn, which you guys can let me know if you want an episode on LinkedIn, because I've done a lot of research on how to um, optimize my LinkedIn to get people to find me better. But Anyway, their recruiter actually found me on LinkedIn and I didn't even apply for this job. And I thought I'm going to go into this with an open mind. And I was very disappointed. But yeah, the guy basically was like, yeah, no, like we're a hybrid work situation. So one day a week you would be working from home. And I'm like, oh, that's so hybrid. What is it? Fridays? Yeah. On Fridays, we, we don't, we all work from home. Great. He said, 
a hybrid situation uh, on Fridays. We don't want people using company time to essentially work on freelance. And I was like, this is a salary position. Like as long as the work gets done, that's so stupid. It shouldn't matter at all. But I digress. Depending on what types of jobs you're looking for, or if you want to freelance at all, I would highly recommend either getting your own website and having a digital portfolio so that people can find you. Or uh, like I said, using Behance, ArtStation, something like that. A lot of people use ArtStation. I have an ArtStation. It's not up to date because my most up-to-date portfolio that I want people to see is on my personal website and I just don't care to update the other ones. So that's another thing. Uh, this could be hurting me. Uh, but I personally think that it's not as important because the people who want my up-to-date portfolio, who follow me on social media and actually keep up with me today, they're going to find my portfolio the way that I want them to find it, which is on my personal website. So people finding like old websites of mine and like old ArtStation accounts and like old Behance accounts, like looking at my portfolio, that stuff is all old. Whether they reach out to me to, or not, I just feel like it kind of gives me more control over who's seeing my latest work, which I kind of like. But at the same time, if you want to keep your portfolio up to date everywhere, that's totally up to you. I feel like as a creative, you can use your discretion and figure out what's best for you. And a lot of the portfolio tips that I've given you thus far, like that's really just the case. Like that's it. You need to, at the end of the day, do some soul searching and figure out what works best for you as the creative, as the artist. A lot of these things are things that work for me, but different artists have different goals. I know that freelancing is such a pain. Like freelancing full-time is harder than I think I could have ever imagined it to be. I had mentors or I had, I should say, I had a mentor when I very, 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 very first started, actually before I even started, who sold me this story of, oh, it's actually like really easy and I'm making more money than I ever had. And it didn't even take that much work. And like freelancing is fine. That is not my experience uh, with freelancing. And one of the biggest factors to successfully freelancing is having a really strong, really good portfolio. So another thing to keep in mind is to incorporate storytelling and narrative into your portfolio pieces. So this is something that I didn't even realize was important until recently. And this is also, I think, a contributing factor into why I get so, so many more inquiries now than I did previously is incorporating storytelling just means People want to see the process behind what you're doing. So for example, on your portfolio, you could have like your best selling, best selling. Well, yeah, best selling, like your best image from the project as one. And then if somebody is like, oh, that's interesting. I want to see more. And they click it. it should take them to a page where not only can they see more images from the project. So if you did, for example, a wedding Maybe you click on the one image and then they can see pictures from that specific wedding. Or um, for me, it would be like a like a brand identity. They would see maybe like a photo of a mock-up on my portfolio and they'd say, oh, this, pro- this project looks interesting. And so they click on it and then it would take them to a page where they could scroll through and see more imagery. They could see maybe like the logos, the brand pattern, the mock-ups, the social media templates, the packaging design, 
everything that I made from that project, they could see all in one place to show all of my versatility and all the things I could do. But there should also be some sort of text on there explaining what the project is. So storytelling can look a lot of different ways in a portfolio setting. And I think that it's important every project that you have on there, you should have some sort of little written blurb. It doesn't have to be crazy. In fact, I would advise you to not make it too lengthy um, unless you're a writer. I, like, I don't even know if writers have portfolios, but um, I would advise you not to make it too, too lengthy, not more than like two or three paragraphs at most. But I would definitely write a little bit about the project and talk about how you came up with it and just kind of tell the story behind how the project came to be. I think that this helps a lot of people kind of get a peek into your process and it might make them more inclined to hire you. Um, I've seen a lot of artists who have just the title of a work with the size and maybe the medium of the work and say, oh, this is gouache, this is charcoal. That's all great too to have as well. But I think the most important thing that people really want to hear from is they want to hear from the artist and why they made it and how they came up with it. And a lot of artists don't have that in their portfolio. They just have the, you know, the title, the size, the medium, and that's it. They don't have any written blurbs about how the project came to be or why they created it. And if it's for an assignment or something like that, like if you're in college or you're in art school or it's for an assignment, like you can say that, but also like you're an artist, you made that. There had to be some sort of process behind you deciding exactly what to do, unless it was like a still life and you were like, this was an assignment. I was assigned to copy this. There's so much more that you can say in addition to that. Like, why did you choose the lighting to be this way? Why did you make certain creative stylistic choices? Something that people read that's going to say, tell them this person knows what they're doing and they would be perfect for this job. It's just, it's really, really good <laughs> to have that kind of thing. Something else that I wanted to talk about is addressing gaps in your portfolio. So to, in order to do this, I think a lot of artists and creatives are kind of blind to gaps in their portfolio. Um, I think a lot of the times they don't even notice if something is missing or something is not quite there in their portfolio that they need. And for this, I would highly recommend, and this, this is just a good um, piece of advice in general for anyone who listens to ArtWise, you really need to find a mentor of some sort who can look at your stuff and give you good feedback that you trust. The reason I say this is because a lot of people will post in random Facebook groups and they will just take advice from the most random people. And if you're a beginner beginner and you just started and you think any advice is good advice, that's up to your discretion. But personally, I would not take critique, and I've said this before on this podcast, I would never take critique from somebody who I didn't trust. You don't want to take bad advice when it comes to your art career. Your career as a creative is far too important to be taking bad advice from people who don't know what they're doing. So that said, uh, I think everyone listening to this, I think it's important to, first of all, find a mentor that is 
is in their niche or at least has been at one point and like kind of knows what it's like. So someone who's in a similar creative path as you, this could be anybody from like your art teacher. I have a high school art teacher. Her name is Miss Smith and she's the bomb. I still email her regularly. She is one of the kindest souls I've ever met and she's freaking awesome. I don't know that I would consider her a mentor to me still, but I think that if you have someone like that who made a really strong and powerful impact in your career, you got to let them know. You got to keep up to date with them. And you, you know, have to keep those and maintain those important connections within your career, within your life. I think my first mentor was probably my high school art teacher. And now as I keep going, I have other designers who I go to for critique all the time who are just, you know, friends who went to art school. I didn't go to art school. So sometimes I feel like I have gaps in my portfolio from things I just never, you know, I never learned in that traditional way. I always say I'm like a firm believer that you don't need to go to college, especially if you live in the United States. If you live somewhere where it's free, it's kind of like, well, whatever, might as well, it's free. But if you live in the US and it's super expensive and you're going to have to go six figures into debt, it's not necessary to have a successful career in art. I'm living proof. And I could give you a list of like 30 other people who are also living proof that you don't need to have some big fancy degree from like the most expensive art school to be able to have a good, strong and professional career in the creative industry. But that said, if you don't go to art school or take any art classes or anything like that, it can be a little bit more difficult to find yourself a good mentor. But I will say there are plenty of people out there willing to help you. If you are listening to this podcast right now, you're already doing the work. You're already looking around and trying to find people to mentor you and to give you advice regarding your creative career. So you've already taken the first step. And that's amazing, especially if you've made it this far into the episode without stopping it. I'm so proud of you. And you're doing all the things that you need to do to better your art career as an artist, as a creative, as a whatever you do, uh, you're you're taking those steps, first of all. And second of all, if you didn't go to school and you're not quite sure where to find a mentor and or where to find somebody who can look at your portfolio and look at your work and give you feedback and say, oh, I think you need to do this type of project because like, you know, you're missing something and blah, blah, blah. Like, for example, the other day, Carly, my friend Carly, she was just on uh, Artwise recently. Her episode was about synesthesia. Uh, She was telling me the other day, I think you should do these passion projects because you've never done this before. Um, And she told me, uh, I think one of them was an app. It was like a meditation app, which I think I will do at some point. It's just like finding time to do it because like I said, I've been so fully booked. Passion projects have kind of been on the back burner for me um, a little bit, but one of them was like an app and the other one, oh man, what was the other one? I forgot what it was, but I had never designed an app before. So Carly thought it'd be kind of like good for me to add that to my portfolio. That's not something I ever would have thought of on my own because I feel like when when it comes to our own portfolio and our own creative projects, we kind of have blinders on and it's like, I just want to do what I want to do. And like, that's all. But If you have a mentor or you have a friend who's in a similar situation as you and they're also uh, a designer or an artist or a creative or a photographer or whatever they are, whatever you are, 
it's really important to find somebody who you can kind of bounce off of, who you trust, who is also a professional in the industry who will give you good advice. That's the most important thing because you don't want to be taking advice. Like, for example, this this is like coming from like the people who have a, a very unsupportive family who are not supportive of you going into the arts or into design or what have you. Don't take advice from those people. They're not the ones doing it. Come to us. Come to me. Go to the ArtWise. I mean, you don't have to go to the ArtWise Discord server, but if you feel like you've, you're lacking a mentor, the ArtWise D- Discord server is a good place to start. TikTok, Instagram, start following people. Comment on people's stuff. You'll get responses. There, I have an artist who is like one of my all-time favorite artists ever. And I comment on her stuff all the time. She always responds. It kind of feels like we're friends. We're not. I'm just one of her followers. But, you know, like you could build a relationship that way. There are so many people who I've met on social media just from commenting on their stuff. And then one day, you know, I hosted a workshop and I was like, everyone's welcome. It's a free workshop. Um, Which by the way, if you're not following me on TikTok and Instagram, you're going to miss all the workshops. I haven't hosted one in almost a year now, but um, I, I host these workshops and I say like, it's free to everyone. And all those same people that comment on my stuff and I comment on their stuff and they're just, they're not people I know in real life, but they're mutuals on social media. They all showed up and then I got to talk to them one-on-one. And then from there, we just became kind of friends. And now, you know, I have people who I can go to for design advice who I really, really trust. And so I think that's that's the thing I want you to take away from this is it's really important to have some sort of mentor or at the very least a a friend who's kind of on the same level as you professionally in the same uh, creative field that you're in to bounce off of who's going to give you that advice because you could be the best artist in the world. You're going to have blinders on when it comes to your own stuff. That's just the way it is. Especially if, if you're an artist and you can see your own blind spots, you already have work to do. If you're an artist and you can't, you've gotten so skilled to the point where you're no longer seeing blind spots, that's when you, you have to start kind of going to friends and mentors. And if your friends and mentors don't have anything to say to you, might be time to find a new mentor because there's always room for growth in the creative industry. There's always room for growth in the creative field. And I definitely think a good a good like mentor, a good creative, they're going to tell you what you're doing right, but they're also going to be honest with you. And they're going to tell you what you need to improve on and what you need to be working on. Because at the end of the day, there's always something to work on. You can be the best artist in the world. And you would be sitting here saying the same thing as me. There's always something to work on at any given point in time. So that being said, I think that's about it for this episode. I think I touched on every single thing that I wanted to touch on. Um, I hope that this helped you guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, if you have any questions for me directly, you can head on over to our social media at Artwise Podcast. Or like I mentioned a few times, you can join the Artwise Discord server. It's absolutely free to join. It's basically a giant group chat. There are a bunch of different channels within it for constructive criticism and feedback and all types of things. We have at this point in time, I believe just over 300 artists are members of the ArtWise Discord server. So I would join that while you can. It's always been a big goal of mine to help other artists and 
try to make sure that they feel like they're on a sustainable path and that they're going in the right direction within their career. And I'm not going to lie to you guys, it's a lot of work, but the number one thing that you should all be constantly looking at and constantly working to improve is your portfolio because that is what the people are going to look at first who want to hire you. There is nothing else that like your artist statement that no one need no one even reads that. I mean, people probably do. But what I'm saying is the first thing that people go to look at is your work. How strong is your design work? What what gaps do you need to fill? And so that said, I think like at the end of the day, before I close off this episode, my final tip to you would be you need to constantly be looking at your portfolio and taking your portfolio into consideration. It shouldn't be something that you just make one day and then you just don't touch it for years. It should be something that is constantly ever evolving with you as an artist, with your goals as an artist, with the things that you want to do with your career, because it's kind of like your face in a way. Banksy, no one knows what that guy looks like Everybody knows what his art is. No one even knows who he is. Everybody knows his art. You look at a Banksy, you immediately know it's his. So when it comes to your portfolio of work, you want it to be really strong because people don't care about, I mean, employers and clients may, you know, want somebody, want to hire somebody with similar values to them. And while that's beautiful and awesome, it's not the first thing that they're going to look at. They're hiring you to be a creative. They're hiring you to make them something. And the very first thing that they're going to look at is your portfolio. It's the most important thing. It's just the most important thing. And so I can't stress enough that uh, I would want all of you listening to this to, if you're going to take away anything from the episode, take away, you need to do some soul searching, figure out exactly what you want, tailor your portfolio constantly over time, like set a regular schedule to look at your portfolio and add and take things off and constantly evolve your portfolio so that it grows with you. Because you you don't want to have a portfolio that you made five years ago that you haven't looked at or touched and then be applying to jobs with it when it doesn't reflect what you can currently do right now and what you want to be doing right now. So yeah, I, I hope that this helped. This was a bit of a shorter episode. Like I said, always like it's a little bit more difficult for me to talk to nobody for an hour than it is for me to kind of bounce off of a guest. But I we still we still do it. So um, anyway, I hope this helped. If you guys have any episode suggestions for me, as always, you can head on over to the Artwise Podcast Instagram account. And just leave a comment or send us a direct message. There's also going to be a support link in the episode description for Artwise Podcast. As always, uh, down there, you can send us a donation. Uh, not required, but always appreciated. You can check out our Instagram. And also be sure to look at all of the other places that Artwise Podcast is available on. So Uh, I think that about wraps it up for this episode. Again, I just want to say thank you to everybody who listened and made it this far. And I want to remind you that you're making the right steps in your art career and that you're going to be fine. And don't be nervous. Don't freak out. You're doing the right things. You're finding the resources that you need. And if you need any help, don't hesitate to reach out and ask someone for help. Me, somebody else. That's all. 
Uh, I hope this was helpful and I'll see all of you guys again with a new episode next Tuesday. Bye everyone.